0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. We've been talking about working of miracles. And so uh, last week we began the discussion of working of miracles. And we gave this definition for the working of miracles. A miracle is a supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature. It is a temporary suspension... Of the accustomed order and interruption of the system of nature as we know it. It is operated by the force of the Spirit of God. And so this evening, I want to continue looking at some of the passages that we weren't able to get to last week um, on the working of miracles. I also want to continue to encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 through this series. We probably have Maybe three more after tonight, possibly two more as far as uh, services on this series. So uh, continue to read 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. We need to realize that the gifts of the Spirit are for everybody. They're not just for a few select people in the church, uh, ministers or anything uh, in that category. They're not just for the fivefold ministry. They're for everybody in the body of Christ. And so when it comes to the working of miracles and it comes to the gifts of the Spirit in operation, it's a matter of being available. It's a matter of of being open and available to the Holy Spirit for Him to be able to operate through you. So let's look at John chapter 6. We're going to look at John chapter 6 first. And this is where we have uh, where Jesus fed the 5,000. John chapter 6, verse number 5 And this is the working of miracles in operation. Again, the working of miracles is this it's an interruption of the system of nature as we know it. It's a temporary suspension of the accustomed order that is operated by the force of the Spirit of God. So we see in John chapter 5, or John chapter 6, verse number 5, we see it says this. Let me get there. John chapter 6, verse number 5 says, Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Verse 6 says, But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little Verse 8, one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Now you need to realize this, that was 5,000 men. So that doesn't include the women or the children. So it's possible that there was 15,000, it's possible that there was 20,000 people there. And so we have five barley loaves and two fish, and we have anywhere from fifteen to 20,000 people that want to eat. And it says this, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So this is the working of miracles. We know, naturally speaking, that five loaves of barley and two fish do not feed fifteen to 20,000 people, especially do not feed them until they don't want anymore, until they're satisfied. So Jesus performed a working of miracles here and multiplied the fish and the bread. So when they were filled, it says in verse 12, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragrance that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did said, truly, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So what do we see here? When we bring God, whatever we have in faith and honor, he takes it and multiplies it. God is not interested in us being the supply. He is interested in us in showing faith and humility. So this is what I find interesting. Um, Jesus basically, in this working of miracles... They just brought to Jesus what they had. I think sometimes we overestimate uh, or even try to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in our own ability when we need to be yielding to the gifts of the Spirit, the working of miracles. This God desires to show himself in ways that interrupt the natural order of things. God desires to show himself in ways that uh, cause uh, people to be uh, shocked by what they see. He desires to do things in such a way where people look at it and the only conclusion that they can come to is that's a miracle. And so we see it's not for us to be the miracle. It's not for us to come up with the power. It's for us to be available. And we see here the working of miracles uh, came to pass because obviously the father had Jesus to work with, but he had a group with him that was willing to uh, uh, cooperate with him in the multiplication of the fish and the barley loaves. If you look at verse 11 again, you'll see this. It says that Jesus... After he took the loaves, it says he had given thanks. He distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. So there was was a handoff taking place. So Jesus had given thanks. And I've actually heard some teaching on this uh, uh, in a meeting one time by a a minister who was a Greek expert. And the giving of thanks actually here, he referenced that it had to do with Jesus continually worshiping the Father. And out of that came this continual flow of the kingdom of heaven into the earth, and it multiplied that fish and those barley loaves. And so every time the disciples turned around, there was never a lack. They knew how many they started with. This was not sleight of hand. It was a working of miracles. Let's look at another one, Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. I like this one. Acts chapter 5, verse number 12. This is Peter's shadow. Now, we, we say this was Peter's shadow healing, but we know it wasn't a shadow healing because if it was just a shadow healing, uh, everybody would be trying to get in a shadow that was sick. But it was the healing power of God. And this is the working of miracles. It's a combination because you actually have the gifts of healings here too. And what you'll find is in all the gifts of the Spirit that they actually just end up overlapping. Uh, the word of wisdom and word of knowledge will often flow in uh, prophecy. Word of wisdom and word of knowledge will flow uh, in, in uh, visions, in revelations. And so you'll have these things and they'll overlap. Even working of miracles, gift of faith, and gifts of healings will work together. Acts chapter 5 verse number 12 says, And through the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. there's a few things I want to point out here. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Notice they were all healed. I want to point out a couple of things here concerning the working of miracles here. First of all, there's something that I see in conjunction with these healings. The first thing is this in verse 12, they were all in one accord. They were all in one accord. Uh, I believe, if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians 13 and 14, now we're not going to go back there and read it right now, but later on, I believe that high levels of the gifts of the Spirit in operation happen when there's high levels of unity. High levels of unity in the spirit. Now, what I mean by that, and actually uh, when we had the Holy Ghost meetings this last uh, weekend, uh, Pep hit on this a couple of times. But he talked about the importance of having a right heart attitude toward people and toward leadership. And something that I noticed in reading this today is that, uh, that... First of all, the apostles were doing signs and wonders, which is a kingdom command. We're given that commission in Mark 16, which we'll touch on a little later. But, but it's a kingdom command. But notice, they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. Now, we may look at that and go, oh, we're all at Faith Family Church in one building. But we can be in one building and not be in one accord. We can absolutely be in one building and be in absolute discord. The thing about it is, and this is uh, uh, the example that the best example that I've heard is like a symphony. If you can have multiple different instruments in the symphony, but if they're all playing whatever they want, it doesn't sound good. I don't know if you've ever been, I know uh, Kylie, my oldest, when she was little, she was in Billings Youth Orchestra. And so we, uh, every once in a while, they'd have these, uh, the kids join up with uh, the Billings, some of the Billings, uh, some of the adults that played in the orchestra, and they'd do these concerts. And the concerts were, uh, I believe, fundraisers for the Billings Youth Orchestra and stuff like that. I could be wrong on that, but I think that's what it was. And so we'd go to these things. And at the beginning, uh, before they actually went to play all their different uh, uh, songs that they were going to play... Everybody would be prepping their instrument, and they'd be tuning their instrument. So they're all playing different notes. They're all adjusting their strings. They're all doing all these things at once. And as they're doing this, it sounds absolutely horrible. It just there's no unity, to, unity at all. There is, there is an orc. I mean, they're sitting in the right seats. The, uh, the, the, the conductor is up uh, kind of prepping uh, their, their uh, music and stuff like that, getting ready. Uh, everybody's sitting where they're supposed to be sitting. But they're all playing something different. And it sounds horrible. And sometimes I really do believe this. I'm not getting after our church necessarily, but just encouraging us. But this is a reality. Sometimes in our hearts, we're all playing a different note. Because we show up either with the cares of the world in us, and I've done it, or we show up with something else on our mind, and I've done it. And we show up, and we're all playing different notes. We're all trying to have a uh, uh, a uh, our own independent thing going on. And what I see here is, and what you'll notice in an orchestra is, the best concerts and the greatest moves of God come out of unity. Everybody looking at the place in the in in their for for the symphony or for the orchestra as, as far as that goes, everybody looking at their piece of sheet music, watching the conductor and following what is being done note-wise and by the conductor, and in that you get one accord. One accord does not happen, and the working of miracles doesn't just happen uh, consistently like what we see here in Acts outside of that unity, and so we need that unity. This is part of the working of miracles. Notice in verse thirteen, it says it says this. Now I find this interesting because we do everything we can in our society today, in church, to make sure that people feel loved, that they feel welcomed when they come into the church. I know we have this given this uh, testimony told to us all the time. Heidi and I both do. Uh, concerning our church, that you'll be greeted multiple times before you go to your seat, uh, that people feel welcome, they feel loved, and they should. They absolutely should. But apparently, at this time there was such a either fear or respect, I don't know what it was, for uh, the apostles and the and the meeting in in this in Solomon's porch here. it said in verse 13 that none of the rest dared to join them. I find that kind of interesting. They didn't dare join them. There was a level of, there was such a presence of God, maybe an awe for God that was there, that there was a a level of, uh, I guess I'd call it healthy fear. Maybe it wasn't even healthy fear. But I've actually seen this at times, and maybe this is what it is. I don't know for sure yet, but I've been thinking about it, praying about it. As I think about this, I've actually seen people that sense the presence of God strong, and they run away. They actually are afraid of God's presence because they think somehow, I don't know what's going on in their head, but they're actually afraid of the presence of God. And here we see that none of the rest dared to join them. But look at the second half of verse 13. But the people esteemed them highly. The people esteemed them highly. So we have here that the people had a level of respect for the leadership And for the apostles in this area. So what do we have? We have a group of people that are in one accord. And we have a group of people that have esteem. They have honor and respect for one another. And out of that, what do we have? We have signs and wonders being done. And then as we scoot down into verse number 15, it says that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. That means that somewhere along the line, somebody exercised faith and the working of miracles got into, into operation to where the anointing of the Holy Spirit reached out as far as Peter's shadow. And if he just walked by people, that shadow would touch people and they would be healed. Now look at this. You're not talking about people... That you know have a a hangnail you're not talking about people necessarily that have a, a a headache you're talking about people that were laid on beds and couches. These people are so sick that they have to, even though they're outside they can't stand they have to lay down and the working of miracles begins to operate, and when it does, it revitalizes heals, strengthens, brings a a whole strength back into their body to where they can get up and walk away from that bed or that couch, from that place of sitting or lying down, and they're completely healed. And God still desires to do this today. This is the working of miracles. I love verse 16 again. Also, a multitude gathered from surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people... And those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. There's so much healing going on. It's traveling to the surrounding cities of Jerusalem. And they're bringing people to the apostles, and they're being healed. These miracles, the working of miracles, draws the unbelievers. It draws believers as well, and people are set free. Um. And we see that many uh, were added to them. Uh, We also see later on, which we're not going to go into that now, but it did make the religious leaders mad. So as we see the gifts of the Spirit in operation, as we continue to see God move and do what He wants to do in the days that we're in, leading up to His return, we're going to continue to see the Spirit of Antichrist get mad about it. And the Spirit of Antichrist, one of His most effective tools, if not Maybe the best effective tool that he has is religion. And I'm not just talking about a denomination. I'm talking about religion. Religion, things where uh, religion in essence is, I can do good to get my way into heaven. That's probably the, the basic principle for religion. You can earn a place. And so these religious leaders got mad at the disciples, and they continued to cause them problems. So I guess in the midst of the gifts of healings and working of miracles, we need to realize that we could have some people that don't like us very much. So we need to get used to that. All right, let's look at another one. How about deliverances from prison? Deliverances from prison, Acts chapter 5 and then go down, we're actually just going to skip down here to uh, past verse 16 and 17 and go right to verse 18. Actually, I'll read 17 and then we'll, we'll go through verse 20. It says this, so after all these miracles take place and these wonderful things take place... The high priest in that day decided that people getting healed and getting up off of beds, people uh, getting raised up from a seated position, healings and deliverances taking place, demons being cast out, people coming from other cities in order to receive healing, and people being born again and, and that increasing, he decided that this was an arrestable offense, he decided that all this good that was taking place where these people couldn't be healed any other way, the working of miracles taking place the way it did, people being delivered and set free, he made up his mind in his natural thinking that this was a bad thing and that he needed to remove these people from society because they were so evil. So in verse 17, we say we see this, then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is of the sect of the Sadducees. And this is religion, and they were filled with indignation. Think about this. They were filled with indignation over healings, miracles, deliverances, signs and wonders, people being set free. They were filled uh, um, with indignation over parents who maybe had a child who was uh, fatally or chronically ill, that they'd been trying to get free from sickness or disease or even demonic torment for, for years and years. And they come to this meeting, they get set free, and the religious leaders look at that and go, this is not right we need to arrest these guys. It actually, the, the, the victories, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the deliverances, actually filled the religious leaders with indignation. We need to realize that not everybody's going to like the move of God. And so when we ask for the working of miracles, there's a reason why 1 Corinthians 13 is in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. And this is one of those reasons. And so it says this, they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Now, here's the thing. Even in that day, pe- people used position of authority abusively. There is nothing new under the sun. It goes on today. It went on then. It'll go on until the Lord returns. So we need to quit Uh, getting uh uh allowing it to steal our peace there's no point all right verse 19 but at night an angel of the lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life so what do we see the working of miracles if you're stuck in a prison, it doesn't matter the situation that you're in. The Lord, by the working of miracles, and we see the working of miracles here operating by an angel, the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. The wonderful thing, again, what is a working of miracles? It is a temporary suspension of the accustomed order. It doesn't say, that the angel went and took the prison guard's keys and opened the door. It says that he, the angel opened the gate. The angel opened the prison doors and brought them out. I bet that was some sort of experience. Uh, they had to have seen the angel, so that would be an experience in and of itself. But he brought them out after they were in prison. This is obviously... A supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature. All right. uh, Acts chapter, let's go 12. Let's look at Acts chapter 12. And then maybe I'll skip the last one on prison and I'll move on so we can get into the gifts of healings. Because we're already uh, over halfway through the service, believe it or not. So, Acts chapter 12, verse number 5. Verse number five, the working of miracles. Remember, what is the working of miracles? It is a miracle is a supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature, the ordinary course of how things work and operate. All right, Acts chapter 12, verse number five. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. So they put him in the inner prison. He's got guards all around him. He's he's bound with two chains, and uh, he is securely wrapped up. Now, you say, why is this happening? Well, I think they knew about how they got out of prison before, and they didn't want that to happen again. Again, Some of these people's elevator is not going all the way to the top because they're not realizing that God could care less about our natural ways of restraining. It doesn't matter if a a believer is put into the deepest, darkest dungeon of solitary confinement. The angel of the Lord can go down there, wake them up, open the door, walk them past anybody they want to, and take them right out the front door and the guards won't even know what took place. But... We have here Peter. Now, if you read back in chapter 12 in the first three verses, four verses, I'm not going to go back and read it, but you can look at it later, you'll see that James was actually killed uh, by the sword. John, uh, John uh, uh, the apostle John, his uh, uh, older brother James was killed uh, just previously, and then they arrested Peter. We know what they're planning to do with Peter. They're planning to kill him, and the church knows it. That's why they're praying, and so as they're praying, um, they're praying that the Lord would deliver Peter uh, from prison. Now we see here too the night before his execution, verse six. Peter is sleeping. We notice he's bound with two chains to two soldiers, so he's got two. He's got a soldier on each side. He's got two chains, and they're attached to the soldiers, so he's bound up, and uh. And there were guards before the door uh, that were keeping the prison. Verse 7. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. And a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. So an angel appears to Peter. And he actually has to kick Peter to wake him up. And he grabs him and he says, Get up. And so he raised him up, and then look at this in the last part of verse 7. And his chains fell off his hands. This is a working of miracles. The chains just fell off his hands. He didn't even have to do anything. They just fell off. They fell off his hands. Verse 8, then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel was real, but thought that he was seeing a vision. In other words, I would say it this way. He, was, he thought he was dreaming. He thought he was dreaming. Verse 10, when they were past the first and second guard posts. So they just walk right past the guards and the guards have no clue. So this tells me that the working of miracles can operate in such a way that God actually opens up the spirit realm to the person that he's delivering but shuts off the spirit realm that's taking place to all the people that are around that don't need to know. Which is pretty genius if you think about it. Because if the angel was seen, these soldiers might attempt to stop what's going on but God has this ability. Then it says this, um, when he had gone past the first and second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. What's this? The working of miracles. The gate just opened on its own. Uh, this isn't some... Uh, they didn't have, you know, motion sensing technology in that day. This wasn't an automatic gate that they walked up to and the, it recognized that somebody was there and so It opened. You wouldn't have that on a prison anyway. You're trying to keep people in, not let them out. But in this day, the gate was locked. I guarantee it was locked. And it just opened of its own accord. And they walked out. What is that? That's a working of miracles. When they were past the first and second guard, and then the gate opened later on in the verse, and they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said... Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people, and they wanted to kill him. Now, I would read another one to you, but I'm going to move on. If you want to read about another working of miracles as far as deliverances from prison, that, uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 23 through 30 is a good faith builder. Uh, let's, look at, let's look at the translation of Peter, Acts chapter 8. And then we'll look at the raising of the dead. Acts chapter 8, verse 39. And I'm going to back up just a little bit. It says this. uh, Actually, I'm not going to back up, but I'll just rehearse this to you. Philip actually was ministering to a man who was a eunuch. And uh, he was... Uh, the, an angel of the Lord had told Philip to go to a certain place. And when he got there, he heard a man reading a passage of scripture. And he joined himself to the man's... Uh, he asked if, he under, if the man understood what he was reading. He said he didn't. So P- Philip basically got on his uh, uh, cart with him and explained to him. And then led him in salvation. And then ended up baptizing him. And that's where we pick up. So... In verse thirty eight it says, "So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, watch this, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. So this is what's called in uh, what we refer to as translation in the Bible, not like translation of, you know a different translation of the Bible, but it's the removal of a person from one place to another supernaturally and in a hurry. Uh, like to the point where they're there one second and they're gone the next. And that's what happened to Philip here. This is the working of miracles. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's not common that people are with you one second and then they just disappear. It's not a a common occurrence. It's a working of miracles. It's a miracle, again, is a supernatural intervention, intervention in the ordinary course of nature. It's not the ordinary course of nature to be baptizing somebody. If this Sunday during the baptism service, I baptize the last person and then I'm gone because I get zapped out of here by translation, which I really hope happens, but if In the working of miracles, it's not normal. It's not the normal course of things. And I really believe this concerning the working of miracles, concerning the gifts of the Spirit. We need to expect and desire God to do these things as a body. Just like the first verses that we read, that we need to... Uh, uh, be in unity, be in honoring one another, uh, be in submission, in order, in in structure, in decently and in order in what we're doing, believing God because I know God desires to pour out His Spirit more than we desire it. He desires to operate and have these gifts operate more than we desire for them to operate. And so we see this here. Verse 40, why did... now? Philip wasn't just, you know, taking trips to take trips, all right? There was a purpose behind him being translated. Verse 40, but Philip was found in Azatos, which apparently was near there, but a different uh, place, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So he wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just to take a trip. He was moved to another place and then started preaching. It doesn't say exactly what he avoided or the reason why, but that's why the Lord did it, and that's the working of miracles. Let's go to Acts chapter 20, the raising of the dead. I'm not going to actually read about Tabitha. There's another raising of the dead in Acts chapter 9, verse 36 through 42. You can look at that later uh, if you want to jot that down, and that's a a working of miracles there. But Acts chapter 20, verse 9 through 12, and this is is, uh, Eutychus was raised from the dead, Acts chapter 20, verse number 9, says this. I like this, uh, 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 I like this uh, uh, story or this uh, testimony here of what took place. It says this. Uh, now the, on the, I'm going to start in verse 7. But now on the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. So this young guy's three stories up, he's listening to Paul preach. And apparently it was a Uh, teaching session. (laughs) I don't know if it was just really long. I know he ended up speaking all night because he was planning on leaving, so I think he was trying to get as much into the people as he could. But as he's teaching, Eutychus actually falls asleep, falls out of the window, and lands and dies, lands on the ground and dies. And so we see here that he, he was taken up dead. Verse 10 says this, but Paul went down, watch this, fell on him, embracing him said, do not trouble yourselves for his life is in him. And then verse 11, when he had come up, he, he had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed and they brought the young man in alive and they were not a little comforted. Now, I don't think this is the normal thing that we do. In fact, I know it isn't when somebody falls out of a window and dies. But this is a working of miracles. Look at the operation of God that takes place here. After Eutychus falls out of the window, it says, Immediately Paul went down the outside stairway, this is one commentary, and threw himself upon the young man, throwing his arms around him in a tight embrace. Now the man died. You know, today we would say don't touch him. Don't move him. Wait for somebody to stabilize his neck. You know, all of these different things. But look what Paul does here. And I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm just saying that's natural thinking. If we're going to have miracles, we have to get outside natural thinking. We have to get over into another realm. Now, they know this guy's dead. But Paul, he goes down and he actually threw himself upon the guy. So he kind of lays on the guy. And then wraps his arms tight around him. And obviously he was praying during this time. And then he says this, don't panic, his life is in him. Don't panic, his life is in him. Now, that tells me that our body is just a tent. Because if he was what we call dead, his body was lifeless. If your body is lifeless, it means you've departed. But Paul wraps himself, wraps his arms around this guy, falls on him, wraps his arms around this guy, and prays and I guess commands his life, his spirit, his soul to get back into that body. And it does. It says this his life returned to him. Now, life here in the Greek is suke. Which means also, or uh, which also means soul or person, but in this case, it means physical life. Apparently, the people had already started noisy lamentations, in other words, they had already kind of gotten worked up, and so that's why Paul said, Don't worry, it'll be fine. Of course, anybody you see somebody fall out of a window and die, you're gonna have people get all worked up, it's gonna happen. Paul therefore told them to stop all this noise, which was so traditional, especially among the Jews, and God gave a miraculous restoration. Now, I don't know what the time frames are here, but think about this with me. I love this about the scriptures, and I love this about God. It says here that Paul fell on the the boy, that he wrapped his arms tightly around him, that he uh, commanded his spirit or prayed and. And his spirit went back into him. Then it says Paul got up and said, don't panic. His life is in him. And then it says Paul went up and broke bread. So I don't even know if the boy got up at that moment. Actually, from reading this, uh, it says, now when Paul had, verse 11, now when he had come up, had, uh, he had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed Verse 12 says, after all of that, and they brought the young man in alive and they were not all a little comforted. So I don't know if Paul laid on him, then went back up, broke bread, and I don't know if that was communion or a meal, we don't know for sure, and then taught and for another several hours, and then as he was leaving, they brought the boy back up from the dead so it took that long, which would be a miracle. I mean, it's a miracle anyway, but talk about faith. You're waiting that long if nothing had changed in that time. But Paul said, hey, his life's in him. What is this? This is a working, a working of miracles. Um, another couple of passages, and I'm just going to give these to you. Acts chapter 13, verse 4 through 12. I like this one. Paul strikes a man blind for a season. That's a fun one to uh, read about. Acts chapter 19, verse 11 and 12 talks about where Paul performed and did special miracles, where handkerchiefs and aprons or claws were taken from him and uh, taken to the sick. That's another working of miracles. Brother Higgins said this concerning in his book concerning spiritual gifts. He said, the working of miracles is used to display God's power and magnificence. In Young's Analytical Concordance, the Bible, the Greek word, In Young's Analytical Concordance to the Bible, the Greek word used for miracles is powers. In other words, the working of miracles is called the working of powers. The Greek word, according to the Greek concordance, means explosions of almightiness. It means impelling, staggering wonders and astonishment. So it could read, the working of impelling, staggering wonders or astonishments or the outworking of explosions of almightiness. That's what the working of miracles is. In his book, Questions and Answers on Spiritual Gifts, Howard Carter said this, the working of miracles is a very important manifestation of the Spirit. It is the mighty power of God flowing through a person we might say that the individual participates in the same power of God that was in manifestation when God created the world. Because he surely worked a miracle when he spoke the earth into existence. When the Lord permits an individual through the power of the Spirit to speak to the world and the river is divided, the same God who created those waters lets a little bit of that omnipotence as the Spirit wills be manifested in that person. The working of miracles is indeed a mighty gift, glorifying the God of all power. As Howard Carter said, thus stimulating the faith of his people and astonishing and confusing the unbelief of the world. One of the things that I noticed through all of this, and we have about 10 minutes here, but one of the things that I noticed through all of this is that the working of miracles is often accompanied by many people believing the working of miracles is something that the spirit of god uses to help people believe in jesus you know i've heard people say that uh, we don't need operation of the gifts of the spirit we don't need that type of stuff today in fact i heard people say i've heard people say uh, through the years uh, the only reason why the early church had those things was just to establish the Bible and now that we have the scriptures we don't need those things anymore because we have enough in the scriptures for people to believe and I don't agree with that at all I believe God still wants to display himself to those who despise him hate him you got to realize this even the people that put, the apostles in prison, the religious leaders of that day, God did those miracles so that they could see and believe as well. God is looking to redeem everybody. Now, He's the judge, so He knows their hearts. But maybe after years of even persecuting the church, even like Saul did, who eventually became Paul, but maybe after time of re uh thinking and thinking over again some of the miracles that they had heard about even though they put some of the religious leaders put the apostles in prison maybe over time it softened their hearts and they gave their hearts to the lord i don't know for sure but i know this god wants to work miracles every single day he wants his spirit he wants the gifts of the Spirit operating every single day. That may not mean that they're going to operate just through us or you every single day, but he desires to operate, he desires to show himself strong every single day. So that's the working of miracles. All right, let's introduce the gifts of healings. And then next week we can get into this into even greater detail. The gifts of healings, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9, says this, To another faith by the same Spirit... To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. So this is where we get gifts of healings. Again, these are the power gifts. Gifts of healings. This is the last of the power gifts. The first one was the gift of faith, then the working of miracles, obviously, and now gifts of healings. And this is in the plural. It's not gift of healing. It's gifts of healings. Gifts of healings, by definition is a supernatural gift of God for the healing of disease without natural means from any source. Gifts of healings is a supernatural gift of God for the healing of disease without natural means from any source. Brother Hagin in his book uh, concerning spiritual gifts said this, These gifts have nothing to do with medical science or human learning. Of course, we believe in medical science, and we thank God for what it can do. We are certainly not opposed to doctors or nurses, but some people confuse medical science with the gifts of healings. I've heard some say that the gifts of healings were were the doctors and medical knowledge which God has given them. If medical science is God's method of healing, however, then doctors should not charge. I don't know if you've noticed. They do charge. He said their services should be free. This is not the case, however, as anyone who knows who has had an experience with them. Also, if medical science were God's method of healing, it would be free from errors. I don't know if you've noticed this, but medical science is not free from errors. I'm not saying we should be afraid. I'm just saying we know humans make mistakes. So this isn't God working. uh, Gifts of healings are not the hospital. That's that's not what this scripture is talking about. This is a supernatural gift, gifts of healings. Doctors would make no mistakes because God doesn't have malpractice insurance. We thank God for medical science and what good doctors and hospitals can accomplish. We would not speak disparagingly of them or the great advances made in modern medicine technology. We also thank God for the many good Christian physicians who have the interests of their patients at heart and minister skillfully to them. But supernatural healing comes not by diagnosis or by prescribing treatment. It comes by laying on of hands, anointing with oil, or sometimes by just by speaking the word. I believe in natural healing, and I thank God for it, but I also believe in supernatural healing. So, The gifts of healings, again, is a supernatural gift of God for the healing of disease without natural means from any source. Gifts of healings are manifested through another person to you. Gifts of healings are manifested through another person to you. All the healing is done by God, of course, but the difference is in the channel He uses to accomplish your healing. So let's look at a a passage of Scripture here on this. Matthew chapter um, 4, verse number 23. This is an example of gifts of healings. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 23. One thing I notice about Jesus and His ministry, and even the apostles... There was a lot of deliverance and healing going on in their ministries. And we need to believe for a lot of deliverance and healing. We need to believe for deliverance from demon- the demonic. We need the, these gifts, we need to be expecting them to operate, desiring them to operate. And it's not just the preacher's job. You know, people sometimes say, Well, I have a job. We all have our functions, okay? But we all are called to something more than our daily functions, and that's to operate in the kingdom of God. That's to operate in His gifts, and we have to be open to those. That's why we're learning about them. Because they're going to increase more and more around here. You just sit and watch. You be a part. You be expecting. But you watch. You'll see. It's going to increase in this church. It's going to increase all over the world, and I know that. And I know I hear, sometimes I say these things, and people I can hear people, I can almost hear their thoughts. They go, well, it's going to happen all over the world, and the prophets are saying it. Look, I'm excited for what the prophets are saying. I'm excited that it's going to happen all over the world. I know it's going to happen through the church. The glory of God is going to be coming from within the church, but the glory of God is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the seas. Now, here's the reality, though. I don't need a prophet to tell me that I can have this. I don't need a prophet to prophesy it. I'm thankful that we have prophets. I'm thankful that we hear from the Spirit of God. But we got the Word of God right here that says it. And that's enough. And we need to step out in faith as, a, as people of God, uh, adjusting our thinking and the way we operate, believing for miracles to take place, believing for healings to take place. So gifts of healings. I just want to encourage you with that. Matthew 4 verse 23 says this, And Jesus went all about Galilee. So he went all about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. So he's teaching the word, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So what do we see here? Jesus was a teacher and he was a preacher. He was both. I heard a testimony one time. I know this is a side note. We got a couple of minutes here, but Jesus was... Uh, I heard a testimony one time about when Jesus or when Jesse Deplanis went to heaven and uh, he actually heard Jesus share to the multitude that was there and he said he preached better than RW Shambach now for those of you that have no clue who RW Shambach is I am so sorry for you because you should know who he is because he 's a great man of God but it might be outside your generation so I encourage you to YouTube RW Shambach So you can see how good of a preacher he was, and he's probably still a great preacher even in heaven today, but phenomenal preacher, really could get people wired up. But we see here that Jesus was a preacher. He wasn't just a teacher. He was a preacher too, and he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now, what was included in this message, Verse, the last part of the verse, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people? Healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. What is this? This is gifts, plural, of healings. This is gifts of healings. He healed all kinds of diseases or all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. You know, sometimes people say, well, I just have a very unique kind of disease or sickness. That's okay because Jesus heals all of them even the unique ones. Now, if you look at this, sicknesses specifically has to do with an illness, but diseases have to do with weaknesses. So he heals all kinds of weaknesses and sicknesses. So I just want to do this today, uh, or tonight as we're closing. I want to do this. I actually just want to pray. Um, I'm going to close my computer down here. And just believe God as we're closing here for miracles to take place and healings to take place where you're at right now. So I don't have the ability to, uh, you know, take time to ask and uh, get on the online feed and find out all the requests. But I just want to pray a general prayer right now because it's 8 and we're going to wrap it up here. And uh, I just want to pray a general prayer um, and believe God with you for healing. So if you need, I don't care if you have... COVID, I don't care if you have you know, the flu, I don't care if you have a cold, I don't care if you have cancer, heart disease, kidney problems. Okay, all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease. There, we covered them all. So just wherever uh, you are at right now, Let's pray together and agree in faith concerning healing for your body. Even if you want to put your own, or if you're with your family, if you want to have them lay hands on you, or put your own hand on your own body where you're at, I'm just going to pray for you right now as we close. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your healing power. Lord, you said, it's recorded that in in Matthew 4.23, that you went about and you, you preached, you taught the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. And you healed all sickness, all kinds of sickness, and all kinds of disease. Lord, there is no sickness or disease represented uh, by those watching today or who may watch later that you have not healed and have not provided healing for. So we just speak right now in the name of Jesus to all kinds of sickness and to all kinds of disease. And we command you. To leave bodies right now in Jesus' name. Bodies be healed, whole, and strengthened. Where miracles are needed, be whole in the name of Jesus. Where healing is needed, be healed, strengthened. Pain, leave. Uh, uh, Hindrances and pain, uh, weaknesses. Leave bodies now in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.